Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. I want you to grab your Bible, if you will. You can be seated. I want you to turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 and verse 1. We're starting a series today, and I'll I'll read the scripture and what this series is about. And the Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 1. Psalm 127 and verse 1. Now listen, because this is very important. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who builds it. How many know it's important that God builds your house? God builds your house, your family as God builds this house. And everything we do is important that the Lord builds the house. And if we don't, everything we do is in vain. They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Well, I think it's important that we don't do things in vain. The, the, the word vain there means just, just useless. How many knows that we don't have time to do useless things? That if we really believe that, that Jesus is coming back and that we're at the very end of this thing and God's getting ready to wrap everything up, that it's not time to do useless things. It's time to allow God to build the house. And so I'm back. That, that's what I'm using for, for this next couple of weeks. And get ready to set us up going into February and we're going to see how God, long God takes us but but my assignment today is in Exodus Exodus chapter number 18 in verse 1 we're going to talk about the halfway house how many knows what a halfway house is well a halfway house is where people can go and they can live while transitioning from one stage to another well, that's good news if you've been in prison because you get to get out of prison. You don't get to go home, but you don't get to stay in prison either. You get halfway. And sometimes it takes as much strength to make it to the halfway house than it does to get out of the house. And we find ourselves living in a place called halfway. Hey, I mean, there's a place called halfway. I looked up the definition of halfway. It actually says, it actually are things like fuzzy, intermediate, in between. It's just halfway. We're out, but we're not in. How many know the enemy has no control over you getting out of who you used to be? The Bible says we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation. Those who are in Christ Jesus. That word creation there means, it doesn't mean a remodel. How many glad you're not a remodel person this morning if you're saved? (laughs) He didn't take some old house and remodel it. He created something brand new. That word, a new creation there means something brand new. Something that never existed before. You're a child of God this morning. You're a sinner saved by grace. You're not a remodeled old version of you. You're a brand new version of you that has never existed before. Amen. And the devil can do nothing about that. When the, the Bible says that no man is saved apart from the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, he comes and he calls you. And when he calls you, you accept his call and leads you into the, the family of God. You receive Jesus as your Savior. The devil has to sit back. He has no control over that whatsoever. And you become a born-again, changed child of God. 
And so the devil says, well, I can't do nothing about that. He has to sit back and watch that change take place in your life. And so what he does, he says, well, I can't keep them from getting out, but I can keep them from going all the way in. And we find ourselves in that halfway house. We find ourselves always transitioning. We're trying to get out, and at the same time, we're trying to get all the way in. I don't have the anger I used to, used to have, but I sure don't have the deliverance I should have either. I don't have the blessings on my life that I should have, but I'm sure not going on the way. And the devil lets you stay in that place called halfway. But I'm here to tell you today, we're not going halfway. We're going all the way. How many is ready to go all the way this morning, huh? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for him more. Thank you, CJ. Let's read the word of God. Let's see what it says. Exodus chapter 18, verse 1, and it says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel and his people, that the Lord has brought Israel out of Israel. How many knows God's done a big thing in life and people start hearing about it? Oh, people's always, how many know that they're watching you? Oh, they're looking at you. They're not just following you. They're watching you. They're watching you. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Sephora, which is Moses' wife, after he has sent her back to live with the brother, and her two sons, whose name one was Gersom. For the Lord says, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now, let me just stop right here and, and deal with this. Children's name during this time, and even now over in that part of the country, it means something. We, we name our children because we like it. I mean, we go online and see what the, what the popular names is and, we, and try to figure out who didn't name. Well, well Gertrude, she named her children that. I'm not going to name, name that. And, and, you know, and I'm not, I, my, my cousin named Zeke, but I ain't calling him Zeke. That's, that's going to be weird. And I mean, let's go through all, kind of, all kinds of different reasons why we name a name. Here back in those days, if you're going through something, then you would name your child based on what you're going through. Or if God's done something, you're going to find a name that's going to match what it is. You, in other words, you already have a definition. You're looking for a name that meets that definition. That makes sense. And so here is Moses, and Moses is living in a, in a land. He's living, he's living in a land that he didn't, he didn't belong there. And so basically he names his child because he says, I am a stranger or I am an alien in a strange land. And that's exactly what Gershon means. He says, I named him Gershon for I have been a stranger in a foreign land. How many knows that you don't need to own your trouble? And Moses says, I'm in trouble right here. You can be in it, but you don't have to be of it. And he says, I'm in it, but I don't have to be of it. I'm a stranger in my own land. What he's saying is, is that I don't fit here. I want to tell somebody today that's living in that in-between, that, that halfway house, that fuzzy house, that, you know, that, 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 that intermediate place right now that, that you're still dealing with some fear. You're still dealing with some anxiety. You're still dealing with some trouble. You're still dealing with some heartache. You're still dealing with, with some unforgiveness. And, and there's still some sickness. And, 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 and you're, you're still dealing with some spiritual growth that you want to get to. The very important thing that you have to understand is that, that don't own it. Don't own the 
place where you are. Realize that you're not going to hang out. A halfway house is not where you're supposed to just put down stakes. A halfway house is a transitional house. And our problem is, is we allow the enemy to make us stay in the halfway place and not go all the way where God has to go. And Moses says, I am in a strange place. I am in a weird place. I am an alien in this place. And therefore, he named the name of his son Gershon because he says, I just don't fit here. How many know you just don't fit? It might have fit your sister. It might have fit your uncle. It might have fit your aunt. But there's something, depression just don't fit you because you've been coming to church and praising God and your praise doesn't fit your depression. Your worry doesn't fit your faith. Your lack of faith doesn't fit your desire and what you believe and you know that God can do. And so you begin to realize, I know what I'm dealing with right now, but it really doesn't fit who I know God has called me to be. And so you sit there and you begin to remind yourself, I just don't fit. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. What does that mean, lack of knowledge? Seeing is believing, right? Knowledge comes from seeing. And so when you see something, you believe it. And the Bible says, Hosea, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. We have to see something other than where we're at. Sometimes you're in a place and that's all you see. I, I counsel people and I see people and, and that's all they see. They just see themselves or I have to take this medicine for this or I have to, this is just how my family is and this is just how you know, our children are and this is, you know, this is the way I was. But I'm here to tell you, you got to see something different. You got to realize you might be in a land, but you are, you are a stranger in that land. This is not who God has called you to be. And so Hosea says, we got to take ownership of your promise, not your situation. I mean, everybody's got situation, but you don't have to stay in that situation. See, we live in a medical society right now that they don't really want, they try to treat the symptoms. I don't ever want to go to the doctor to treat the symptoms. I want him to give me something that'll take away what's causing the symptoms. And we want to, we want to, we got, we got politicians and we got, we got theologies and we even got preachers and we got churches. We got friends that, that tried to help us treat the symptoms. But I got a God that says, man, if you're not of that problem, this doesn't fit you. You don't have to treat a symptom. You can get an antidote to take care of what's causing the problem. And finding halfway, we're not going to settle for halfway. Because I am an alien of my situation. I'm not a citizen of sickness. I'm not a citizen of cancer. I'm not a citizen of fear. I'm not a citizen of failure. I'm not a citizen of anger. I'm not a citizen of poverty. I'm not a citizen of who you think I am. I'm not a citizen of who I used to be. I'm not a citizen of who everybody says I was. I am a citizen of who God says I am. And because of that, that's what I'm going for. And so we have to understand that we're not, we're, not, we're not staying here. This is a halfway house. This is a transitional place. I mean, even when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were there for over 400 years. And, but God delivered them out overnight. How many know that God saves us instantaneously? It's positional. Our position changed. We were heading to hell. Now we're heading to heaven. But how many know that, that sanctification is also progressive to where he can get us out of Egypt overnight, but it's going to take a while to get some Egypt out of us. Who am I speaking to this morning? Huh? 
Yeah, you got saved on your way to heaven and you don't curse like you used to. You don't blow up like you used to, but there's still some things you still do and it's going to take some time and God's still working on you. How many is thankful that God is still working on you? You're not a finished product. You know, everything about Crete, we think we have finished problem. Oh, no, we still need God today. I need you more, Lord. I need you more. More today than I did yesterday, God. I'm, a, I'm not a finished product, but he is working on me. And this is what is happening here. And, and we have to understand that God is bringing us through something. Tradition is always about the past. We know that, right? We all got a tradition. And I love about tradition. You know, tradition, now, nowadays in churches, we don't want to hear tradition. Well, that's the hymnals. And that's a piano on one side and the organ on the other. That's a communion table in the middle. And we don't want to do all that. We got to be more progressive. You know, but we don't, we want to do things like what you should do. You know, we, our phones are not stuck on a wall anymore with a wire. We got phones in our pocket pocket now there's just some tradition and i understand we don't want to go back to tradition but how many knows you got to have a good balance it's good to mix some things that we learned in the past or where we are right now and you got to have a little bit of balance you can't you can't have you know people who's never experienced that but but tradition is about the past trends are about the present how many trends is always there what is trending and so we try to live a what is true. You can't live, you know, with traditions in the past. And be honest with you, you can't live what is trending. How many of what was trending 10 years ago is not what's trending now? What looked good 10 years ago didn't look, don't look good today. It's like, man, that, that, what's that suit, like 12 years old? How many of back in the days when I first started, it was, it was the, it was pleated pants, double-breasted shirt, I mean, coat, double-breasted. And, and, and your pants was baggy, and they had to be had to have a cuff on them. How about that much ruffle down at the bottom of it? You put your hands in your pocket, you, 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 your pants just kind of waved in the thing. Got that double-breasted coat on. And you want to get preaching real good. You want to know why? So you can take that double-breasted coat off because you got suspenders on underneath there. Come on, somebody. And the suspenders match the tie. Glory to God. (laughs) And the tie had paisleys all over it. How many of I bust up here looking like that? They've been talking about that joker. He's not trending. He's traditional today. God can't do anything with that. Honey, that meant revival. Pastor showed up with suspenders on, man. We're getting ready to have church. I can't wait for it to come back, man. I'm going to do it again. I'm, I'm praying it's going to come back again. It's going to... But truth is about the future. How many is thankful today? It's not where you're training. It's not what tradition is that what God is telling you, truth is about your future. It doesn't matter about how you dress. It doesn't matter about what you're going through. It's what God said, and God's word is truth. It doesn't matter how you used to be, how you used to talk, how you used to walk, what you used to wear. It has nothing about your trends. It has nothing about your addiction. It has about truth. What you are going through today is not about today. What you're going through today is about your future. There's a reason why you're going through what you're going through. It's building you up. It's getting you ready. For something, something great. And God wants to lead us. And God's always trying to get us to, to wait, on, wait on him. And, and we, we, we have allowed where we are to defend the totality of a much larger destiny. How many know that God has a larger destiny than where you are right now? 
Let me ask you another question. How many is thankful that where you are right now is not the end of everything? That this is just part of the process. <laughs> if you don't like the chapter where you are right now since you got saved, I got good news for you. There's another chapter coming. And God is still writing pages in your book, and, and it's, going to be, it's going to be good. And so we find ourselves, what you see is probably how it's going to be, and so we have to be careful what we see. So if you can't get out, it's very important that we know how to look out. If you can't get out of your situation, if you can't get out of what's hindering you, if you can't get out of what traditions and, and, and what trends have sent you where you are, then make sure that by faith you can look out and say, God, even though I'm not out, I can look out because that's what faith is. Faith is, faith is you got to see it. You don't have to see it to believe it, but faith knows that the evidence of it is going to be seen. I mean, the whole fake it till you make it thing, I believe, comes right here. You've got to look out before you get out because seasons change and opportunities present themselves all the time. You know, I, I, I shared a while ago that, that in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that we just come out of the Christmas season. And, and so we're familiar with Zacharias and how he was the priest that went into the, went into the, uh, the, the most holy place. And that's where the angel of the Lord showed up to him. And said, said uh, Zechariah, you're going to, Elizabeth hasn't been to have any children, but she's going to get pregnant. His name's going to be John. Everybody remember that story. And so he said that in Luke chapter number one, it's very important. You know, whenever you read the Bible, it's when, where, uh, when, where, who, and why. When, where, who, and why. The humanetics of everything and what, he, what he's doing. You know, who is he talking to? Where was it? Why was it? And, and, and where was it? And so that's where he, that's where he was. And he was, he was in there. And, 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 and the words he told him, he says, and he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the father and hearts of the father to the children. Least I smite the world with a curse. I mean, that's still going to happen today. And so that was a word. And the one thing we have to understand about the words that the angel of the Lord spoke to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, they were not new words, they were old words. Because if we turn to the book of Malachi in the last chapter, chapter 4, some of the last verses in the Bible are those words. The exact same words. He said, I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah who's going to change the hearts of the children to the fathers, the hearts of the fathers to the children. At least I smite the world for the curse. So he tells Zechariah the same thing. What's the point? The word that he gave Zechariah was over 400 years old. Over 400 years ago. What does that mean? It's still a word. What does that mean? It doesn't matter how long ago or what all you've gone through that God said he's going to do. He hasn't done yet. But I want you to know it's still a word. Don't let the element of time rob you of the promise that God has placed upon you. It had been over 400 years since God has said anything. But whatever he, whatever he said is still his word, and it will not return to him void, but it's going to do what it says he's going to do. That's why when you're still in a trap, you're still in a mess, you're still in a rut, and you can't get out of it, you've got to look out because you know that God has a word over you. It hasn't ha he hasn't healed you yet. He hasn't delivered your children yet. He hasn't touched your finances yet. If he hasn't done it yet, it doesn't mean he's not going to do it. It means it's just not time because we have to understand that destiny is when preparation meets opportunity and God is still preparing you and if you haven't gotten the opportunity that means you're still going to preparation destiny is where preparation collides with opportunity it just runs into each other 
And I want to throw in here this as well. If an opportunity presents itself that you're not prepared for it, it is not of God. I see more people mess up, not because they don't have the opportunity, they're not prepared for the opportunity. But God always, your destiny is is a collision course between what you've been prepared for and what your what opportunity has presented itself. I mean, there's there's things that the Bible says a great and effectual door has been opened to you. That means it swings wide, it swings open, and God's open. And when you see that door, you know you've been prepared for that, and you realize you're walking into your destiny. We have revelation, then we have preparation. And then we have destination. Everybody say it together. We have revelation. That comes from God. It always comes from God. Yeah, but old Sadie the other day, she told me about something. It was good. Well, if it moved your spirit, that wasn't revelation. That That was confirmation. Revelation comes from God. Confirmation comes from man. God will use a preacher, he'll use a friend, he'll use Facebook if you let him to confirm something that he's already told you. Amen? But that revelation comes from God. But then you don't go from revelation to to destination. You got to have preparation. Because if you're not prepared for where he's destined you to go, you'll never make it. And God never wants to take you somewhere that he can't leave you there. We want to visit places. God said, I'm not taking you there to visit. I'm taking you there to stay there. And so we have a new season. A new season that we're in right now has, we got to step into every new season with faith and expectation. Faith and expectation. If this is a new season, you're tired of the old season, you're tired of the halfway house, you got to make sure that you understand how to accept this new season season with faith and expectation. God, I believe you for it. And not only do I believe you for it, but I expect it. You can't just hope it, you got to expect it. So when God began to deal with Moses, he spoke to Moses in his new season. He says, this season, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock instead of striking the rock. That's what he told him. It's so tempting for us to use force instead of faith. I mean, it's so much easier just to force it. I mean, just force it. Faith speaks. Force controls. And whenever we start going into a new season, God says, I'm going to see you to a season right now to where you're used to striking the thing. You're used to forcing the thing. But once God brings you into a new season, you don't strike it. You don't force it. You just, you just speak to it. And when you speak to it, you believe that by faith it's going to happen. And not only do you believe by faith it's going to happen, you expect it to happen. But we know that Moses went up there and faith isn't about striving. It's about yielding. It's about surrendering because faith is attached to reward. I said faith is attached to reward. If you have faith, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. We've got to come to him and believe that he is. He is what? A rewarder. If you believe God for something, you've got to expect that he's going to reward your faith. But no, we don't want to speak to it. We want to speak over it. We want to strike it. We want to force it. It's not casual going after God. It's deliberately looking to God for something. I mean, if I'm going to walk up to a rock 
and God told me water's going to come out of that thing, I'm going to think, to be sure, I got to kick it. To be sure, I got to hit it. To be sure, I got to get a hammer and chisel and I got to split it. Well, honey, that's forcing open. But that's not what faith does. Faith doesn't force anything. Faith stands over a situation and speaks to it and says, God told me to speak to you and told you to live and not die. Told you to produce water, not dry up. Called you to do something you're not even purpose or designed to do. And because you have faith of it and you expect it, something's going to happen. So get ready for water to come out of your rock if you have faith and expect it, it's going to happen in your life today because you've been prepared for it. You've been prepared for it. Well, I haven't had the opportunity yet because you're not prepared for it yet. But once you are prepared for it, and God knew after 40 years of Moses dealing with what he was dealing with, a stranger in his own land, God said, it's time for you to start speaking some things, Moses, and quit forcing some things. Now, Phyllis, what God is telling some of you this morning, you've been going through some things. You've been, you got, you got, you've been prepared for some things. Get ready, to, get ready to believe that God is a rewarder today, that he is a giver today. And what you used to have the force to make happen, get ready to expect it to happen because that's exactly what, what it, faith does. Faith just casually looks to God to do something powerful. And that's what Moses did. And and so he began to teach us here that don't let trouble define who you are. How many know that trouble has a club? <laughs> trouble has a clique. Trouble has a society. And people in that club, people in that clique, people in that society will fight you trying to get out. You think they're for you, but they fight you trying to get out. They loved you while you were poor, but now that you're growing, they mad at you. <laughs> you ever had anybody like that? I mean, they love you long you need them because you're, you're just a mess. But now that you're not a mess anymore, they don't like Why are you going to that church for anyway? Why are you praying for anyway? Why are you fasting anyway? Why are you reading your Bible anyway? They don't like it anymore because you're changing. But that's okay. Your changing is not about them. It's about you. Victory is proceeding towards your destiny. History define who you are, not people. Quit waiting for people to define who you are. Your history is going to define who you are. We want everybody to pat us on the back and give us more likes and, and tell us who we are. So we see here that the first name here that, that Moses named his child, he named him, he said, I'm just a stranger in my own land. But the next one here we see that he named Eliezer. And I like this because he said in verse 4, he said, the name of the other was Eliezer. The first one was Gerson because I'm a stranger in my land. I can't, I can't live like this. I'm not going to own this. The second one here is Eliezer. He says, he says, the God of my father was my help and my deliverance. This is very important about walking to your destiny in a new season in life. Never take credit for your victory. He says, look, man, I was a stranger here and God got me out. But you know what? My next child here is going to honor God. God, my father, was my help. He was the one that delivered me from the sword, of, uh, the sword of Pharaoh. He was the one. Never take credit for your victory. No, we love to take credit. Let me tell you something. The scripture 127, unless the Lord builds the house. How many know you got to watch people have, have eye problems? I, 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 me, 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 me. No. Him, 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 him. Never take, I don't care because if you got water out of a rock because you struck it, that's not what God told you to do. But if you got water out of a rock because you spoke to it, then you say, God, there's no way water should be coming out of this rock. There's no way I should be living this free. There's no way I should be 
over this, these generational curses that everybody in my family been dealing with but me, but, but because of you, I am over these things today. And so he named his son. He named his son. The God of my father has been my help and delivered me. You know why that's very important? Because there's no need of surviving something if you're going to stay mentally strapped to it. And most of it will survive it, but we stay strapped to it. Most people that come out of prison, and I share a while ago that I've been to prisons, and I've been to this is one particular person that, that I visited them in prison. There were several different people I'm going to visit. Thank God. Ain't you thankful that your pastor only went to prison to visit? Isn't that good? I mean, that would be a hot testimony, I guess, but why didn't I do that? And I went one time, and I've been several times. One particular, I went, it was a women's prison, and they were tasting, it was rough. It was a prison. I mean, it was, it was mean people in there, and they were treating them like they were mean. She got out of prison. I went to go visit her in a halfway house. And the whole thing about the halfway house, she was at, she was out of prison, but she wasn't home. She could go on a job, but she still had the, she still had the, the, the brace on her arm or leg, wherever it was at, but she still had to report back. And see, that's what happens when the enemy, he'll let you get out, but he'll keep you strapped to it. Honey, that's not deliverance. And we're not looking for God to deliver us from something, but keep us strapped to it. And so I began to read and, and I'll end on this in Genesis, in Genesis chapter number um, 50, chapter number 41, verse, verse 51. Joseph. Joseph too he had two sons. Remember they named him for something. And the first son he had, his name was Manasseh. And when jo- remember Joseph, Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers, right? thrown into a pit and then and then the the Moabites came and sold him out and his daddy and they told his daddy he was dead and now he's older now he's in Egypt and he had a child and the name of his first child was Manasseh remember what does Manasseh mean it's a definition of a it's, it's an answer of a definition of a problem and he said for God has made me forget all my toils and all my problems hear what he says God had made me forget you know how not to be tied to your past? Ask God to give you birth to a Manasseh. Say, God, I need you to release me on things that I just can't forget. Because see, the word forget here means to release, to let go. Sometimes we have, and we can't do it on our own. Sometimes we have to ask God, God, help me to forget. What we're really asking God for is, God, help me to release it and let it go. And some of you got things in your life, you got things in your family, you got things. I told you, everybody's got trouble, everybody's got stuff, and we can't do it by striking the rug. God, we got to speak to this thing, God. God, I need a Manasseh to show up in my life, God. You got to give me the power in the street to forget, because if I don't forget it, I'll always be tied to where I used to be. And I cannot go into my destiny tied to what I used to be, God. So give me the power, give me the strength to release it so I can go forward and be who God has called me to be. Manasseh. And the next child, verse 52, is Ephraim. Why is it important that God releases you and lets you go? Because you're no longer tied to what you were. And then it says, Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Honey, you can't be fruitful in the land where you are right now until you allow God to teach you how to forget and let go. 
Yeah, but you don't know what my mom did to me. You don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know what my friends did to me. You don't know what I did. Honey, even if they don't accept your forgiveness, you forget them because you're no longer tied to what they did and what they said and what happened, what you did. Her fault, your fault, their fault. Who gives a rip? Whose fault? you got to go forward. You can't be tied to what you used to be. And God will make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. Right in the middle of your... No, he's going to deliver me first. Uh-uh. He's going to set you free first and then he's going to move you out of your land. That's why the psalmist says, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Honey, it's one thing to eat down the meal in a peaceful place. Well, how about right in the middle of everything that's come against you? Everybody that said you couldn't, everybody that says you can't, even your own self. God says, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Honey, that's when preparation meets opportunity and you walk into your destiny and you can be and do and have everything that God has, you, has called you to have. How many are thankful for the destiny of God today? your life. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpriestchurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.